I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Cutter. We're back again for season 10 of The, the Cutter and Smith Show. not be sanctioning specific seasons from here forward. We will be talking about whatever we want to at the time. When it's spooky season, it will be. When it's holiday season, it will be. If you want to be interviewed, send us a request. And sometimes we'll just talk about stuff in our lives. There will be no schedule or structure to what we do moving forward. So here we go again. It is Forever Season 10. We will be... Right back! The king and queen have decided that it's high time for their son, Prince Dylan, to find a wife. They task the court jester with finding a suitable bride, but what he unleashes is a never-ending line of young women with serious flaws. Finally, one stormy night, a young woman knocks on the castle door seeking shelter. Is she the match he is seeking? His mother's ridiculous test of worthiness involving a pea and some magical help from the local wizard will reveal the answer. Running from March 8th to the 24th, this adaptation of a classic story by Hans Christian Andersen features music and lyrics by Connor and Smith and is directed by Laura Connors Hull, Lenny Mendez, and Matt Connor. Tickets are $18 for students and $20 for adults. Family four packs are available for $65 if you use the code 4PK. Group rates begin at 10 plus tickets. Call the box office for information. Performances run on Fridays at 7.30, Saturdays at 2 and 7.30, and Sundays at 2 and 4. Call 703-436-9948 for tickets or simply visit www.creativeculture.org for more details. All right, we are back after a brief hiatus due to some construction in our home. Um, we uh, are talking tonight. We're back to the Milius Mania. Milius Mania! Milius Mania! Trademark. Um, today we're talking about 1991's Flight of the Intruder. This is the last Milius film to be released at the theater. I almost started watching flight of the navigator great movie which i was like oh but i don't i didn't see his name so i don't think this is it yeah i had the name wrong quite a different film yeah um, i'm pretty sure he wrote uh scripts and things later uh after 91 but i think this was the last film that he directed that was released at the theater he did some tv stuff rough riders which is another uh teddy roosevelt story i started this film and was like, oh, okay, cool. Because uh, one of the first things is a flight sequence that's... The uh, intruder <clears throat> refers to the kind of plane that uh, flows, flows, flies at tree level, like right below tree level. This is taking place during Vietnam. It doesn't have a way to defend itself, right? That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing, no defense weapons, right. And it delivers, you know... Uh, napalm bombs whatever what have you um and they uh, fun fact they should be wearing black hoods but of course they're actors and we want to see their beautiful faces so they did not wear black hoods in this 
and Willem Dafoe said he would not put a black hood on his face. So <laughs> that was that. Which um, was originally supposed to be uh, somebody else. Uh, I think Richard Gere was attached mm-hmm. at one point and then dropped out. Um, I know Milius like uh, approached Richard Dreyfus about playing the squadron commander in- instead of Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Brad Johnson. So is this? Do you have you seen him in anything else? No. Okay. So he was in Always, directed by Steven Spielberg, which was from 1989. So here's another Spielberg-Milius connection with this lead guy. Now, Always is, you know, low-tier Spielberg. I still love it. I think it's a, a great film. It's the last uh, Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, And it's a remake of uh, an earlier film. But Brad Johnson plays the, you know, uh, dumb you know, lead guy after Dreyfus, spoiler for however old of a film from mm. 1989, because Dreyfus dies. He, he, he puts out uh, fires with a plane. So he, he's going over uh, fires and dropping stuff and he dies. And then uh, he comes back as a ghost, but nobody can see him, of course. And Holly Hunter uh, plays his wife. And so uh, Brad Johnson comes in as the new hotshot pilot and starts to be with Holly Hunter and uh, Richard Drives can see all of it anyway. Brad Johnson plays that character, the the new guy who's kind of like coming in on Richard Dreyfuss's territory. Mm-hmm. But he was so bland in that. And if Spielberg can't get a performance out of an actor, I just, I don't know. Like, what can Milius possibly do with this lead guy? He reminds me of like, I don't know, like an underwear model of the 90s. Yeah. And Noah, I mean, he's probably a nice guy. Right. Uh, there's one scene in this, which is my probably, if I had, I, I don't really like this movie either. I think it's bland, mm-hmm. if that's the word. It's not as enough Milius, and that's because Paramount had control. Uh, but uh, there's that one scene when he's being up for a court martial and Fred Thompson is playing the lawyer. That scene is probably the best acting Brad Johnson does and is probably the best scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. It feels the most milius of them all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is minor. I mean... What is his nickname? Is it Cool Hand or something like that? Yeah, like for Cool Hand Luke, Luke maybe. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, is it HUD? No. Uh, um, yeah, and Rosanna Arquette in like two scenes. <laughs> it's so, it's so like pointless. Um yeah, I, I, I feel like she could have been in a... Maybe it was cut out. I don't know. Like, he writes a letter to her at some point, and that's kind of the yeah. sewing up of that. Sure, yeah. But it is kind of like a... Is Rosanna Arquette still in this movie somewhere? Yeah, like, what was the point of her? Yeah. Right, just, like, have a woman. So, supposedly, Milius did rewrite the script, even though he does not get credit for it. Uh you know, this was really supposed to be a John McTiernan film, great director of Die Hard and Predator, many more. Uh, and he didn't do it. It wound up being Milius. Milius rewrote the script, fought for credit, didn't get it. Um, but he really went back to the book itself, which doesn't sound like a book I'd like. Like, I wouldn't read it. It sounds like very much like a... The author was like, you know, often people make uh, films out of your books it's nowhere near this one was spot on i know and i was like what <laughs> uh it was originally supposed to end with the bombing in hanoi which it would have been about an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes in right or mm-hmm. maybe um but then it kind of goes on and that's because the executives wanted reshoots and didn't like the ending 
Um, Milius had a horrible time on this. It was the worst time he'd ever had. He said that was Paramount with the Paramount control and they tried to control every aspect of it. I'd spent more money than I'd ever spent before because they told me how much I was going to spend on it. They didn't let me control it. I would have made that movie for at least five million less. Um, Milius described the film as one of the worst experiences of his career. Um, so this doesn't seem like the Milius that, you know, I, I like from Wind and the Lion and Conan the Barbarian, uh, the even only, Big Wednesday. The only time you really feel the Milius is the flight sequences, to me. And those were like, to me, the, I know you like the courtroom scene. I'm really not a courtroom drama guy. Oh, I love it. A Few Good Men. It's just not my <clears throat> shtick. Um, so I was like waiting for the more of the action. and the But there's like four flights, I think. Yeah. And I was like living for those flights and the way he shows uh, planes moving through the air and maneuvering and everything. That's exciting to me. And I, I'm not a war picture guy. Sure. Um, as, as you can recall, if you listen to the Apocalypse Now episode, it's not my favorite thing. Yeah, and this isn't even a, you know, they wanted to be a top gun. In Vietnam. In Vietnam. And he wasn't going for that kind of I wondered, stuff. I wondered about the... the the uh, computer systems in the planes that those looked a little like too modern i well, don't know i don't know the navy actually had script appro approval on uh -huh. this and was like reimbursed like over a million dollars for do you know what i'm wondering costs i'm wondering if because this this timeline wise is around the <clears throat> desert storm so this is what happened so yeah. it was supposed to be released in the uh, summer of 90 but because Air America was coming out, Memphis Bell was coming out, Firebird was coming out, the studio pushed it back. Uh, and it wound up coming out in January 91, which was a bad time because yeah. the onset of Desert Storm happened. Yeah. Um, and so audiences were CP, uh, wanting to escape as opposed to like going and seeing war. More of so it. So it just kind of hit a at a bad time. Because I think it probably would have done better than it did, I would think. Well, and Desert Storm was also <clears throat> one of the first... Like, you could watch a war live on TV. And I remember being captivated by the TV and seeing those tracer rockets go up and everything. And I think people were watching their version of this at home on TV live. Um, CNN was, you know, had been around at that point and was popular enough that that was like war TV. I mean, I bought Desert Storm trading cards. Oh, my God. That's how, like obsessed i was but what i was obsessed with was not the killing not the war was the media the immediacy of the knowledge and that's what we had with cnn and the the, the desert storm happening live i don't know why i bought like two packs of them i still have them um and it was uh, like explaining the machinery that was being used so you could kind of conceptualize it's really obscene the when military you think about it. industrial complex exactly. coming at you it's propaganda, and that there was a lot of propaganda. Sure, this was not a part of that because this. Yeah. Well, you got you got a uh, senior Bush mm -hmm. coming in in ninety. No, it would have he would have come in in ninety, right? He would have yeah. taken over in. No, that's not right. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, eighty eight to ninety two. So he would have been president for yeah three okay. years or so but it was still senior yeah pick a time in the early 90s and i'll just say it's it's bush i don't know <laughs> um, um but that but, was only four years yeah so. i mean i think it's very milius in a way that you know the way he describes the military is that you know we've talked about this in past episodes that there's this 
specific type of code that he lives by. Now, you know, code whether, of honor uh, yeah. of, of some kind. And that's what he, this moral code he finds in the Navy, which is why he wanted to be in, you know, the military. He, he thinks that they, there's this code, mm-hmm. which is very Milius. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find it interesting what he said about uh, the Vietnam War in this film was that he didn't care. He didn't want to debate the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. For or against what ha- he wanted to find out what happens to people in this case, the professionals who fought it, and the reactions as human beings, the institutions that people belong to and give themselves to that are larger than themselves, um, which I think is, you know, I, I feel like a, a far-ish right person at a certain time probably would have wanted a more we were right for being there kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, it feels like Nixon's the hero kind of a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is very much, you know, not choosing sides or anything like that. I um, I listened to, full disclosure, a, another podcast on this film by guys who are called, uh, the, the podcast is called Friendly Fire, and they only discuss war films. Oh. Um, and they had a, a some interesting insight into the fact that this is, this is, you can see the Milius in this through the lens of the renegade. It's always about the renegade. Yeah. And that mentality of I'm And the gonna, moral code. And I'm gonna actually buck the system and do it my way because that's the right way. Yeah. And and of course, um, whether that's Red Dawn, whether that's Conan, whether that's you know, the list goes on, there's always kind of this renegade figure that is like uh, lionized in a way um, and, and 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 it's just interesting he always looks for the renegade um, and you can find one in almost every one of his films I mean <clears throat> whether it's Dillinger or you know but uh, I also think that the the picture's a, a totally different picture with a different main character I think he's a just, different actor. A different actor. Because Willem Dafoe is a great actor. Like, mm-hmm. I would call him one of our greatest that's still, you know, going. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a wonderful actor, and he's great in this. Mm-hmm. Like, he's doing something. Uh, but to play off of Brad Johnson just seems like... Well, he's making choices. He's making some kind of choices, yeah. and Brad is not. And and even the stuff with Danny Glover, who I love as well, is just not up to par. He's like the... Um... Typical, we know this character. We've seen it in every movie. He's like, he's hard as nails, but he's soft as a teddy bear, really, and he loves his men. But he just kind of, kind of seems like an asshole yeah. most of the time. Yeah, he's like just a dick. Yeah, and, and and as the the friendly fire guys said, like, what's the happy ending for these guys? What they're gonna go on a a, a, a you know a craft, a aircraft carrier, and do nothing for the remainder of like the 80s and like these are the guys that snort cocaine off the hookers butts or whatever <laughs> because that happened like right, right. the military was like we're not doing anything so we're just kind of hanging out um maybe that was a good life i don't know i don't know but uh what is the happy ending for these characters is yeah. there one well no i mean it becomes which is what the producers wanted you know in the end it becomes this like completely different film it becomes a rescue film, you know, behind enemy lines kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, where you know Danny Glover goes down, uh, Willem Dafoe and Brad Johnson go after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both wind up, you know, being on the ground. Uh, Willem Dafoe gives up his life, and uh, Brad Johnson and Danny Glover live. Uh, like I don't know, it, it just becomes this other thing, and it's just 
it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the pacing is is not the greatest. I you know I see the studio all over it because it's just not a. There's just not a milius vein. I don't I don't I don't feel it. That bar is something else. <clears throat> oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, it's like we stop the movie and visit the movie Roadhouse for a little bit. You know. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Um, oh, and there's got to be a fight. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean that you know that's one of the best things that this was. I think probably also the a, snoring is the pugs. If if you're not a frequent listener to this, I apologize. We have two pugs and they're snoring in the background. Continue. Now I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, I'm uh, just uh, no fights. Yeah, so the, the trailers uh, were again misleading. Uh, they were showing more of the fights than they were showing of what this movie actually is, which mm. is supposed to be like kind of this drama in a way. Um, I mean, there are definitely some exciting moments in the film, but they're not what the film is about or by any means the entirety of the film. Right. Um, and I think, you know, take it as you will, but I don't need that in my films, but I need the stuff in between to be at least... Interesting. Interesting. Captivating. Yeah, captivating. And it's not. No. Um, and which is just really sad. Uh, like I said, he, re- he wrote on things after this. He did a motorcycle, motorcycle gang, motorcycle something. Diaries? No. <laughs> See? Uh, These and titles. Rough Riders uh, and then Rome. Uh, a few other things. And I'm sure other things he's uncredited for uh, on other people's things. Yeah. Uh, but, but we still have one more Milius to tackle. We've got one more Milius. And if that wasn't in theaters, it was just a straight-to-video? No, or? no, that, that was this. the one we're going to watch is the one before this. Oh, okay, okay. This is, uh, I think, 89, uh, and it's uh, it, with uh, Nick Nolte, the great Nick Nolte, and it's called Farewell to the King. Um, and I believe it's based on a true story. Let's just do the IMDb... Um, this is nothing to do with the Tolkien films that would come much later, <laughs> of course. Farewell to the... And it's not for, for those following along or watching... Sorry, it's 88. You, you no, it is 89. You won't be able to find this one, I don't think, right? Cause you no, have... I had to... It's not streaming anywhere. Um, it's You can't buy the Blu-ray or DVD unless it's like, you know, exorbitant amount of money. So I just bought the Blu-ray from uh, Germany. Um and I have a region-free uh, Blu-ray player, so we'll be doing that soon. So this is Borneo, 1942. An American soldier escapes World War II and becomes the king of the headhunters in the jungle. Two British soldiers are parachuted into the area to find local support for the battle against the Japanese. Okay. So that's the basic synopsis for uh, A Farewell to the King. Um, I, I really like it, but you know what? I haven't seen it in a really long time. So I hope my memory, <laughs> I'm like, I hope I don't watch it like, oh my fucking God, what is, what is this? But I just remember, you know, enjoying it. I'm sure it's still like the whole white savior thing, um, going on. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I enjoy it. Uh, Nick Nolte at his prime. Did you, were you ever a fan of Nick Nolte? I liked him in Cape Fear remake. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What a good movie. I just haven't seen a lot of his work besides, I think, that. What, Down and Out in Beverly Hills? Never seen it. That's Bette Midler, right? Denny DeVito? Oh, I have seen it. Because um, she was in it. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm uh, super psyched for that. We'll see when that happens. Sorry this has taken so long to, to happen. We both watched it, but didn't have a time to talk 
Well, I think it's going to happen soon. Now, as you can probably tell, frequent listeners to this podcast, Matthew is not here again. Um, he is at the show that he directed, working. You can catch an interview with him about the process of that uh, from the last episode we did, which was on Valentine's Day, so it's been a while. Um, and uh, he will get back to us, but he also goes into rehearsals for the next show, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this coming week. So maybe one of those days we'll watch and the next we'll talk or whatever. Um, so we just have to figure out your fancy... Cool. Yeah, we're going to see working tomorrow. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We're going to be working on working. Yeah. <clears throat> maybe we can give our thoughts. Mm, we could. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm super psyched for that. So yeah, maybe this week we'll we'll get to a... Uh, it's not it's not a farewell. I think it's just farewell to the king. Okay. Not yeah. a I'm going to look up the... Well, I don't have to look it up. You're bringing it to me, so that's good. I, yeah. would, I would be like a farewell to arms is, is the title. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arms and the man. Uh, Fellowship of the ring. Right. What? There's what? so What's much going on? going on. Well, I think that's a sufficient uh, amount of time to discuss. Yeah, I mean, Flight of the Intruder. Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the in Intruder. <laughs> I own Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Bumblebee. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I love that movie. Saw it at yeah. the theater. Well, uh, I, I was like, last, another one I've seen, and no. No, no. no. No, this is definitely not that. So this has been the flight of the intruder um, in Amelius Mania. One more episode of that, and then we're going to switch up the topic. Oh, yeah, uh, Flight of the Intruder is uh, uh, streaming on Prime if anybody wants to watch it. Yeah, it was free, and I was thankful for that. But uh... <laughs> For real, I was like, did I pay for this? No, thank God. All right, everybody, bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. You can find us on social media under Connor and Smith. Again, that's Connor with an E-R. Please rate, review, subscribe, and comment on our episodes. Share it where you share things, post it where you post things. Really helps us out a lot. We especially want to thank all of our sustaining Patreon supporters. Without you, we could not do what we do. So thank you so much. That's all we have for today, so we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.